0: Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Pastor David. I'm the Connection Pastor here at Christ Point Church. My goal in my life right now is to connect you with one another and to get you connected with the world that needs Him. Amen? And how many know one of the greatest messages that can be preached from any pulpit is the Great Commission. We are all called to that commission, and I like to say commission, because that's going to be my sermon today, the Great Commission, is that you have a mission, And God has called you to that mission. He's hand-selected you for that mission. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, He's even placed you where He needs you. Come on. You're just not there by happen chance. You're not there just because you think that's the best place for you or maybe you think that isn't even the place for you. But right now, that is where you're at and that's where God's process begins. Amen? And we need to understand that but we need to get some clarity on the commission because if you don't understand the commission that Jesus commands us to go out into in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is to go and make... we got three people in the house that know what the commission is. We are to go and make... We are to go and make people, to teach people, to instruct people, to help people get closer to God. Amen? That is our call. That is what he's called each and every one of us. It is not a religion. It is not a church theme. It is not just come and do some praise and worship, give a little bit of offerings, give some hallelujahs to God, see your neighbor, your friend, and go home and live your life. Your life is no longer yours. Paul said it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. I am so upset right now because, in the process of my mom dying, it's taken half of my heart with me. But at the same time, my heart is broken because there's a world that is going to hell and dying because people aren't setting examples and understanding the call of God upon their life. We're okay, we go to church. We're okay, we read our Bible and we take care of our family. Can I say this to you today? You're not okay. God didn't didn't save you just to say you're okay. God saved you to challenge you to walk like Him, talk like Him, live like Him, and show the world how great He is. That's what He's called you into. So today... I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to blow his breath. Just as he sent out the 12, just as he sent out the 70, the Bible said, and he blew his breath upon them by the Holy Spirit, and they went out. Today, I pray that the Holy Spirit blows his breath upon you and ignites a fire inside your heart that causes you to burn for Jesus, just like it was in Isaiah. When he said, who shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me. Are you like Isaiah this morning? Are you a man or a woman of God that says, here I am, God. I might have unclean lips. I might have some things in my life that isn't quite right. But here I am. When I wake up in the morning, God, prepare me for your day and your service and what you want to accomplish. Unfortunately, I find even in my life that I go to work and I get busy with my job and I get busy with what I need to accomplish and as a result of that I forget those that are around me. And I need to understand my life isn't about my job. My life isn't about the money that I need because God said He'll provide all that I need according to His riches and glory. I need to be more conscious, more aware of those people around me. One day my wife came to me after her stroke and it had been about four years into it and she was struggling and, and I was out watering one morning and, and she came out and she came to me and looked at me and put her arms around me and said, thank you. And I said, she, I said, for what? And she said, for taking care of me. And I heard the Holy Spirit inside me say, thank you. And I said inside myself, Holy Spirit, for what? And he said, I entrusted her to you and you've done well. I wonder what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about those around you and if He would also come to you and say, you've done well. See, I recognized and realized that day not only was I responsible for my wife, but I was responsible for every man, every woman, and every child that came into my presence. Think about that a moment. How serious that is. He entrusted those individuals, those people, those places, and those things in which you're part of to you for
1: the work of His ministry. What a
0: privilege and an honor we have to be a part of His great plan. What a privilege that God, being the King of kings and Lord of lords, would see sin in the world and literally take a kingdom and bring it to earth. And establish it through his death, burial, and resurrection, and then establish it so that we could now be sons and daughters of the Most High. Not a democracy, not a republic, not a commonwealth, not something that you have to subject yourself to, but something that you involve yourself with because we are now the family of God. Look at your neighbor, say, Neighbor, your royal blood. I know that some of you may feel, oh, I'm unworthy. You know, you don't know what I did last night, but let me tell you what, God is like the prodigal father waiting for you just to come back. And I know you think that maybe coming back to the father as a servant is okay, but daddy's gonna put you in his arms. He's gonna stop you from speaking because he does not want you to be a servant. He wants you to be a son. He wants to put a signet ring on your hand. He wants to put that robe of the Father around you, and He wants to put sandals on your feet so that you can walk with Him all the days of your life. Oh, but I hear it. I hear it. I mean, I do it myself. Oh, God, I just don't feel like it today. Oh, God, I'm unworthy. Oh, God, I looked at this yesterday. I thought this the other day. I said this to so and so. But God says, shh, shh. You're not trying to work your salvation. I'm trying to have a relationship that says it's okay. We're working it
1: out. There is no one perfect in this world but one.
0: Even Adam in his perfection missed it, sinned and brought sin into the rest of the world. But still, God had a plan through you. Through the woman's seed was going to come a man that was going to crush the head of the serpent and you're part of that seed. You have been given dominion. You have been given power. You have been given authority to reign and rule not as servants but as kings and priests to the Most High God. Come on, think about that. He's King of kings, Lord of lords. When He sends you out into the commission work, that's co-mission. You have a mission and He now joins you and empowers you to do the work of the ministry. That's what co-mission is. You're the mission. He joins and blows His breath upon you to fulfill the call that's been placed in your life.
1: Wow. Think about that.
0: How seriously do you take it? How excited are you about it? Here's one of the problems that I have found in my personal life as becoming a Christian is that I always thought it had to be the evangelist. I figured the evangelist would take care of the evangelistic work and will take care of the work of the house of the church and house of our family and the house of our jobs and our business and stuff like that. But can I tell you, we're all evangelists. We've all been called to illustrate the King of kings and Lord of lords to the world. Every one of us. There is no one that is excluded in this house. If you are a servant of the Most High God, if you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God, you're called to this work. Look at your neighbor and say, you're called. That word called means you have been chosen for this. If God chose you, don't you think He knows you can do it? So quit letting the enemy, quit letting the enemy come and and tell you that you're unworthy, that you can't do it, that, that you're really not called and you're really not chosen. Because let me tell you, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you've been chosen and you've been called. Amen? I remember years ago, as a young kid, I was into drugs and alcohol, and a lot of you probably wouldn't believe that, but I had my hair about down to here and... I was uh, dealing drugs with the Colombian cartel and the Mexican cartel, and most of my friends when I was 15 were in the 40s. And I remember I would go by my dad's house, and my uncle would show up from Texas. And he'd go, hey, Dave, Dave, I need to talk to you. I said, no, oh, okay, I'll in a little bit. No, no, Dave, this is important. I need to talk to you. Okay, I'll get to you in a minute. No, no. He says, I need to talk to you right now. I said, okay, so he takes me outside into his car, sits me in the passenger seat and locks the doors and says, I can't let you out until I tell you the good news. I remember him doing that three times in my life. Never stopped during the three times, but how many know the scripture says one plants, one waters, but God gives increase. Amen? Amen. You may have no idea what you just did when you had an encounter with that person, but there's some planting and there's some watering that's going on. Amen? You need to realize that because God placed you there to plant, to water. Say that, plant and water. What are you planting? And how are you watering? That's something you really need to think about because your character and His character is at stake. You represent not only Christ Point Church, but you represent God. You represent God on Facebook. You represent God in your conversations. You represent God in your workplace. You represent God at Walmart. You represent God at the gas station. You represent God driving down the road. Come on, somebody that's beeping, honking, saying, Get out of the way. Uh huh. You represent people uh, of God to your neighbors. You know those times you have those yelling squalls or those fast trips out of the driveway or you know what I'm talking about. We need to consider at all times how we represent God. 24-7, 365 days a year. There are no days off. I'm having a bad hair day. You don't know what I went through last night. He does. (coughs) Are you still going to represent him? Are you still going to do it his way? The Bible says not only we're to make disciples, but he tells us we're to make disciples to all nations matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalms chapter 2 and verse number 8, you'll pull that up for me. Psalms chapter 2, verse number 8, the psalmist makes this statement, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. He's telling you that if you will ask, he'll give it. I wonder how many people get up in the morning, start their day asking God, hey, God, Give me the nations. The writer of, of Proverbs is telling us, hey, you have to understand this. God is telling you, ask and he'll do it. I remember Smith Wigglesworth and a lot of his testimony said, I would not go one day without finding somebody that I could lead to Christ. I remember one story that I, that I heard personally from a man that walked with him He was overseas and it was late in the day about 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night and he hadn't led anybody to the Lord. And he was so broken in his heart and his spirit because he hadn't had one encounter of a God kind. He lived for that. He said he got up at 10.30, went outside and he went to find the first person he could find. Have you ever done that? (laughs) It's 10.30. Bedtime. He went out and found a person, but that person was up on a hill, and there were about a hundred steps to get there. And he had to make a decision: Do I continue to do the commission that he's involved in, or do I continue to do my own work? He chose to climb those stairs, and he was so glad he did because that night he led an elderly man that was almost ready to die to the Lord. A friend of mine, one day uh, before I became a Christian, we were kind of very, very religious and smoking pot, going to church and, you know, thinking everything was cool. And one night he had a dream and in the middle of the dream, about four o'clock in the morning, God woke him up and said, go tell the neighbor right now that he needs to get saved.
1: It's four o'clock in the morning. He went back to bed. God gave him another dream. He said, go tell your neighbor he needs to get saved. Went back to sleep.
0: He got up at 7 o'clock, the neighbor was already gone. That day, the neighbor had a car accident and died.
1: He was so grieved
0: that it caused him to walk away from the Lord because he wasn't obedient to the call. Never could get over it. He never could get over the hurt of, of letting God down. I wonder how many times we've let him down and not listened to the voice because we're so busy about our lives. So busy about our stuff. See, God wants to get involved with you with all the gifts of the Spirit, with all the power from heaven to move in the Holy Spirit with word of knowledge, word of wisdom. He wants to have revelation gifts, power gifts, vocal gifts working amongst you. But how can He if we're only doing our stuff? We could teach on all of this stuff and how God works and how God operates, but can I tell you how He really operates? This is the foundation a commission, ministering to others outside of yourself. Amen? Is this helping anybody this morning? I believe today there are two mandates that we've got to understand. One is what is God's mandate? What is your part? So I want to talk a little bit about that because I think it's the most important thing that we could talk about in the whole Bible other than salvation. I believe that we are not here just to have fire insurance, go to church and talk about our families. I believe that we're here because God has a plan. And His plan says in 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, that His desire is none should perish and all should come to repentance. That's God's desire. Listen to this again. That none should perish, but that all, say all, That means everybody that you encounter will have everlasting life. That's God's desire. And you have to ask yourself today is, are your plans greater than God's plans? We know Proverbs said that God's plans are different than man's plans. And I will tell you this, God will fulfill His purpose with or without you. You have a choice. You can be a part, but you don't have to be a part. But can I say I would rather be a part than live in a religious facade saying that I'm a Christian? Which, by the way, Christian, the name came from twice in the Bible was Paul trying to explain to pagans what we are. But I have to say today, and something you might ponder upon, are you really a Christian named by pagans? Or are you a son of the Most High God, a daughter of the Most High God? Letting the King of kings rule your life? Somebody asks me, are you a Christian? I'll say, no. I'm a son of the Most High God. See, we're positioned different than the world. We have God backing us up. We might flub it up, but God knows how to make it up. Come on. God may sometimes use your flub up to help the one see, hey, you aren't so perfect after all. But they still love the Lord. They're still serving. They're still going to church. They're still expressing the love and the character of God. Somebody said to me one time, says, I didn't think you ever flubbed up. And they saw me flub up one day and they go, wow, I guess we're all okay. Because I try very hard to make sure that my character in the world, in my home, in my neighborhood represents Him. Because I represent Him. Amen? Amen?
1: I think today we need to really consider a heart change. What do I mean by heart change? Change the way you think so your heart lines up to His. Make every day a priority
0: for Him over everything else about you. Because I'm going to show you in a minute what God meant when He said to go and save the nations. We think of nations from the aspect of I've got to go overseas and I've got to minister. But really, when you break that word nations down, it is a Hebrew word that means ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S. Ethnos does not, and it can represent a nation, it can represent a nationality. But in its purest form, when God says, go and make disciples of all the nations, that His desire is none to perish, He is saying, I want you to get involved with a culture in which you live amongst. Because if we would begin to get involved in the culture in which we live amongst, we can begin to change what's going on around us. We have allowed our culture to be ruled by gays and lesbians and drug addicts and immoral people and people who really don't care about anything but themselves. And it's time that the church arises and the church takes its place in what they're called to do so that we can begin to see the difference. Did not he say in Isaiah, Arise and shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. In gross darkness you will be seen. Arise, church. Take a new position. Find out what we're talking about, this culture and which God is sending you into and what your part is. Because you can make a difference. Oh yeah, you may not be the president. I don't know, maybe, is anybody thinking about running? <laughs> it seems like almost anybody can now be, but praise God, we've got people who are willing to do it His way. Amen? Think about your culture. Think about where God's placed you. Think about the things that God has plans for you. Amen? Hallelujah. There's so much I want to share today. This culture, this ethnos that we're talking about. I want you to understand that because the culture has gotten so bad, we as Christians have taken a new view. And the new view is, well, things are really getting bad. Wow, we must be in the end times. So now we've got movies on end times, we've got preachers teaching on end times, we've got all these things about end times, we've got people quoting scriptures, well you know it says in, in Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 3, said, so this critical times, savage times, hard to deal with, there are going to be people that are assuming, haughty, puffed up with pride, no natural affections, lovers of self rather than lovers of God and he said from such turn away. We preach, oh, brother, we're in the end times. This is what it's going to be like. But can I tell you, you missed it. If you're one of those that thinks that we're in the end times, when you think these times were bad, when we've had a lot of bad times from the beginning of history, I believe you're missing the greatest point that Jesus talks about. Do you know Jesus tells us when the end times is? Go to Matthew 24. Let's look at this a moment because I want you to see this ethnos. I want to see this culture, this change, this mindset that we need to wrap our brains and our heart and our spirit around because if you don't, it's going to be a while before this thing ends. Let's take a look at that for a moment. Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse number 3 we realize that Jesus was asked actually three questions. One has been fulfilled, and that's when the temple would be destroyed, and that was in 70 A.D. But he goes and says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be. Talking about that temple. And now he says, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? I think that's a pretty blunt question. Tell me when... This is going to, the sign's going to, what are the signs and when's this going to end? Look at the next verse. And Jesus answered, come on, somebody ought to get excited. He didn't say, well, nobody's not going to know the hour, you're not going to know when it's really going to happen, but you're going to know the season. How many times have we've said that? Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, that you do not be deceived. Don't get deceived in this time period that we're in. Because if you get deceived in this time period that you're in, you may be just living for fire insurance. You just may be going through the motions hoping one day you're going to get out of here. Are you hearing me? So Jesus answered and said, don't be deceived. Go to the next verse. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. How many know today we have so many different false religions out there today, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, you know, we could go on. There's so many of them. He said, there's going to be many that's going to come in my name. They're going to claim to be the anointed one. They're going to be claimed that we've got the message. We've got the end time word. It's the end. Get ready. Turn or burn. Get ready or get left. (coughs) He says, beware of those. He said, don't be deceived. Verse 6, you'll hear rumors. You hear of wars. See that you're not what? Wait a minute, we're in the last days. Everybody better be troubled. Things are happening. Jesus is getting ready to come. No, let not your heart be troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But look what he says. But the end is not yet. Say that with me. The end is not yet. Are we having false Christ? Are we having wars? Are we having tribulation? Are we having these things? But he says, the end is not yet. Let's read on. For nation will rise against nation. That's happening, right? Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. We're seeing some of that, right? Look at the next verse. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. I heard a guy tell me the other day, he says, I think Jesus is coming back in 2025. I said, how do you know? He said, well, I, I, I like studying prophecy. And one of the things I've learned in prophecy is Old Testament has prophecies about what's going to happen in New Testament. He said, if you will study the tabernacle and take the square footage of the outer court Length, by width, by height, you'll find it's 2,000 years. So from the time of of, uh, Abraham and the law, there was 2,000 years. That was all flesh. And then we go into the holy place, which is where the communion table, the showbread, and the uh, altar of incense is, where the Holy Spirit's at, and you measure it length times width times height, you'll find that it's 2,000 years. He says that's from the time of Christ's death, Till now, and if you put that time period together, it would come up in 2025. I said, Well, what about the holy place? He says, That's the thousand-year reign. Multiply it out, you'll find it's a thousand. What would you say if you really knew that 2025 Jesus was coming back? Do you think you would stay doing what you're doing? Of course, nobody knows the day nor the hour, but he says, it's not yet. We've used these scriptures so many times and this is the end, this is the end, this is the end. I want you to get out of the mindset of this is the end. It's still time for God to do something great it's still time for the people to get involved with what God wants to fulfill because God's whole purpose in life was to establish His kingdom. From the very beginning of time, God wanted to establish a kingdom. Unfortunately, sin it into the world, it tried to destroy that kingdom, but Jesus came back and He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John came preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to tell you something, saints. It's not about the end. It's not about Him coming. It's about His kingdom It's right now, right here, doing great things. (coughs) And we need to be a part of it. Amen? We must be a part of it. Oh, I did tell you that I was going to tell you when it comes, right? You want to hear that? You want to see that? It's in Scripture. Okay? Let's read on. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. How many know there's a real stir going on right there, right now? Especially against Jews, Israel, Christianity as a whole. How many know, since we've got a man in the White House that's praying now, come on, that's speaking things about God that has gotten him a force of people who are praying around him, there is a lot being stirred. And i got to tell you, I heard a Republican uh, yesterday on a talk radio show that said that she's a representative from Minnesota and said 90% of the stuff you're hearing is not true. Not true. It's happening. Look
1: at the next verse.
0: Verse 10. And then they will be offended. <laughs> we'll betray one another. They will hate one another. Go on. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Come on. Because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. I mean, have you still got your first love? The Bible says in the seven churches that people will lose their first love you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that day when Jesus came into your life? Do you remember that day when you found out that the world wasn't the way you thought it was and that there was someone who loved you, who died for you, and who reconciled you to himself? Do you remember that day? What a day. I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. I was a Jehovah's Witness, born-again now Christian, talking about Jesus. I couldn't shut up about Jesus, and I gotta tell you, I still can. not can't do it. There's something shut up on the inside of me that says I have to talk about Him. I have to resemble Him. I have to do His work. Not because I'm a servant but because I'm a son. I want to do it. I'm compelled to do it. I love to do it. It's a passion of mine. And when I'm not doing it I don't feel so good. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Hmm. He goes on and says, But
1: he who endures, but he who endures, for he who holds on,
0: for him who stays at it, for him or her that continues even through all that we just mentioned,
1: will be saved.
0: We can't stop now. Yeah, maybe he will come back tomorrow, but that's not our focus. That's not our concern. Yeah, we should be ready. We should be watching. We should be looking, but we should be about God's business. We should be about it. Every day. When you leave this place, it's not about just going to a restaurant. Give them a big tip. Say, Jesus loves you. Show them how Christians are different from the world. You know how many waitresses have told me that they hate it when Christians come out on Sunday because of the way they're treated? Be careful. Everywhere you go, you reflect Him. It is not, and I'm going to say it again, about you. Amen? Are you ready to know when the end comes?
1: Look at verse 14.
0: And the gospel of the kingdom... Are you hearing me? The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. When will the end come? When we get a hold of the culture of God and realize that every place that He places us is a representation of Him and everything that we do represents Him. Everything we say represents Him. Every time we got somebody that's ugly and how we respond represents Him. He says when we start showing the culture what He's all about, then He'll bring the end to it. Oh, come on, somebody ought to give Him some praise. That's worth clapping over. Because remember, we talk about nations. We're talking about a culture. We're talking about a place that he's placed you. And what you're doing in that culture, you might say, I'm just one person. But let me tell you, you get two people going your way with him. You get three people. You get four people. You can change an environment. Oh, I know we're not gonna, we're not gonna save this whole world, but I can tell you this, God's desire is none to perish. Shouldn't we try? Shouldn't we do everything within our power? I wonder, do you pray for your neighbor you don't know next door? Do you pray for that boss that's not so nice, or do you complain about it behind their backs? Because remember, the words you speak have power. You either bringing people to God, or you're pushing them away. You may be the only lifeline they have, and it's important you recognize. Oh, you don't understand how bad, you don't understand how great God is. Commission, he joins you, he helps you, he empowers you, he gives you things you don't even know what to say when you're delivered up before people you don't even know. He said, he'll fill your mouth. All you've got to do is stay connected. Stay connected. See, look at your neighbor and say, stay connected. See, this is good news, don't you think? I mean, isn't we supposed to be preaching good news of the kingdom? Not, end's almost here. You better get ready. Are you ready? You have oil in your lamp? Are you fired up for Jesus? Do you go to church? Let me tell you, it's not about a church thing, but I will tell you about church. Church is a filling station that every one of you should be a part of. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25, do not forsake the gathering of yourself as some have, especially towards the end. We need one another. You need to get filled up so when you go out there, you can handle what's out there. We need to go to these classes because we need to learn about what God is doing in in our hearts and with other people's hearts so that we can learn from one another because the scriptures say there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You are not an island by yourself. We need one another. Amen? So we must have church. We must all be serving in church. If you are a child of God and you are part of this church, you should be serving. Why? Because there's people getting ready to come in that need you. Not one man can do it. So you get involved with serving. Yes, the church is important. But I got to tell you, there's some other arenas that we need to take a look at so that we can begin to expand what he said. Because remember, the kingdom is not going to end until we begin to do something in this culture. Well, Pastor, is that real? Well, yeah, let's look at another example. You remember in Noah's days? I mean, we were likened to our days as the days of Noah. Remember in Noah's days, all people were evil and God was sick of them and wanted to destroy them all? So God told Noah, said, hey, Noah, I want you to do two things for me. The first thing is I want you to build me a boat. And the second thing is I want you to go and tell everybody the rain's coming. Right? Who had control of the rain? God did. Noah only had control of two things. Building the boat, or like you, making a place for people, and telling them there's a kingdom that God wants you to enter into and if you don't enter in there is a bad sight are you hearing me noah could have went thousands of years building that boat but i guarantee you it would not have rained until he went in because the bible says when he went in the door closed and immediately the rain fell we have the same commission that commission is god joining with you to let others know about this great kingdom Before the end comes, because we have a culture to invest and to do something different. Are you hearing me? Every one of you affected mamas and daddies, and brothers and sisters, and cousins and aunts, and bosses and employees, and just people that are on the street, and people that are in the White House to the outhouse. We affect everything. We need to be cautious on how we deal with this. Amen? I want to tell you, saints, it is more than just getting saved. It's called. Thank God for salvation. If you're not here today and you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know He will not make you just a servant or a slave as the world will be, but He'll make you a son and daughter. He'll pull you into His arms and He'll say, Welcome. I remember a young, young man's story where he was on a train and he was, beat his mom and dad up most of his life. I'm a terrible kid. Got put in prison. He wrote his mom and dad a letter. said, Mom and dad, I just got saved. I just accepted the Lord as my Savior. But I understand that if you don't want me when I get home, just do me a favor. As I'm coming on the train, just wrap a, wrap a white cloth around the old oak tree just before I come into the station and I'll know that I'm not supposed to come home. And if there's not one there, I said, don't wrap one around it. But if you want me to come home, make sure there's one wrapped around it. So he's getting closer, and he's telling this man about his story, and about how bad he was. And he's, he's coming close to where the tree's at, and the, and the young man said, I can't look. And the man said, oh, I'll look for you. And he looked out, and he saw mom and dad standing there, waving their arms, and it was wrapped all the way up. He says, come on. It don't matter how bad they are. God's saying, come on home. He would stand there and wrap the tree himself, and we know he did with his own blood. Saying, said, come on home. Amen? In 1975, there were two guys, one one the name of Bill Bright. Uh, he is uh, head of or founder of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ and another gentleman by the name of Lauren Cunningham with YWAM. Well, these two men, separate from one another, back in the mid-70s, had dreams And the dreams was how to involve the church beyond the church in the culture in which they lived. Anybody heard of the seven mountain principle? I've talked about it a little bit in some of my classes. There's a seven mountain principle that God gave to Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. And when they got together, they were astounded because... They didn't know anybody else that ever had this before. Later in years, John Enlow and many others now begin to have these visions and they started coming together and searching out the seven mountains of God and they begin to realize there's something to this on changing a culture. How many want to change their culture? How many want to influence those people around them? Well, let's take a look at this for a moment. Do you have that slide of the seven mountains? I want you to know that God is a what? Communicator... He's our provider, he's our king, he's our teacher, redeemer, he's our papa, he's our creator, and matter of fact, he is definitely our savior, amen? But when these seven mountains, when they begin to get these visions from God, God said, I want you to go and I want you to tell people it's more than just the church, it's more than just getting in a building and having services because there's a world out there that we need to get a part of. And Jesus says we're to go to the nations, we're to go to these ethnos, we're to go to this culture. Amen? And if we can't get this mindset, we'll just stay in the church doing what we're doing. And I believe today the Holy Spirit wants to breathe on your life, give you a new vision of your call, and help you go where God's sending you. Amen? See, we know that, that, that He's the Redeemer because He's the one that saves us and brings us into Christianity or the church, which we call religion. Religion really, Webster says, is just a belief system. Everybody has belief systems, amen? But we are in this culture, this Redeemer culture, and how many know it took God to save you? It took God to deliver you. Uh-huh. But we also find out in these attributes or these these perspectives of God, God is also creator of arts and entertainment. God is also Papa. He's daddy of all families. Amen? He's teacher and revelator of all educational levels. He is the king of government. Would you say he's the king of king and lord of lords? He's the provider of all economy because he deals with with the economy of business and he is the commander of all media. And how many know we've got some bad media out there? Now, Communist News Network... um, We gotta realize something, saints. You all have a part somewhere. A lot of you are in families and you have a responsibility to your families. A lot of us are teachers at many different levels. A lot of us work in different, uh, maybe governmental departments and we have an influence in those areas. But I wanna tell you, in these cultures, we have God backing us up. The Redeemer saved us so that we could come to church. The Creator gives us the creative ability to see beyond what the natural is doing. Come on. He's a co-mission. He labors with us. You need to know this. When you go into your culture, He's there. When you go into that situation that you're in, He's there. Remember I said, I'll never leave you or forsake you? He's there. If we don't see beyond the church culture, we'll never, never fulfill God's commission. Because he said the end will not come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to the cultures. I read a scripture one time in Revelation chapter 8 that just blew me away. I've always talked about the altar of incense in Old Testament, the prayers of the saints. Revelation 8, the Bible says that the angel standing before God opens the seven seals, but as he presents himself before God, he's carrying a censer, an altar of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And God says, throw it to the earth. What is he doing? Your prayers, even though you don't believe they're being answered, are being accumulated for the end time move. Everything you do infects and affects the outcome. You've got to know this, saints. If you don't know this, you won't take it seriously. You won't let the fire burn in your heart. It'll just burn about your passions and your desires and what you want. And saints, it's not about that. It's about fulfilling the call so the end can come. We all have a part in this. We all play a very important role. Whether you're a greeter or an usher or an information in the children's ministry, you affect everybody and everything Amen? Just helping anybody in this morning. It said that 3% of the people in the church are paid in service. Now that can change depending on the numbers, of course. 3% are called to that place. That means 97% of you belong to the culture out there to make a difference. How many would say, I'm part of that culture? Come on, let me see your hands. Look all around, saints. You're not alone. Every person here is part of that culture and needs to be involved with it. Amen? Remember, 28, 9, 20, go, make disciples. It's a command. It's not, go if you want to. Go means go. I don't care what, it's Hebrew, Greek, whatever. Go is go. Amen? I'll show you a slide that I think is really good. Did you do that one on Proverbs 31? This is powerful. Um, Can you bring my iPad up here? There's a couple identification points I need. Is this helping anybody this morning? I think, you know, as I prayed, I said of all messages that I could pray, this is the one that I felt was the most important for right now in the time that we're in. How many would agree with this? I won't be too much longer here. I'll finish up here shortly. That's what all preachers say. I'm going to read this from the NIV. I'm not sure how it is up here. But this is a wife of noble character. We call her the virtuous woman. Okay? This is a story about King Limel' mother, telling him what a wife is supposed to be like. Okay? And he says, a wife is a noble character who can find them. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and provides her female servants. What is she dealing with here? She's dealing with family. Daddy, Papa is behind family. Do you know that's the foundation of all creation? It wasn't good for man to be all one, all alone. So God created him a helpmeet. He's talking about family. That is God's foundation is family. Amen? She considers the fields and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamps does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds this distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. What is she doing? She's doing business. Many of you function in many different areas of these fields. Function as family, you function in business, whether you're a, you're a boss or whether you're an employee. She considers the fields and buys it. I think we just read that. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She does charitable deeds. She does religious work. She's involved in the system. She's involved in the culture. Why? Because this mother knew that it was important for if anybody was going to marry someone else, you need to be about God's business. Uh huh. When it snows, she has fear. She has no fear for her household, and for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in linen and purple. Again, taking care of family. Amen. Her husband is respected in the city gate, where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. How many know your spouse could be also in government? You make a difference in that, how you influence them, how you speak about them. What you, you know, They may come home, over home with a bad attitude, but you need to speak life into it because they're changing a culture. You don't know how to speak life. You pray about it. You seek God about it. You find out what it takes. Amen? She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants and sashes business. She is clothed with strength and dignity. dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. We're talking education and family again. Hmm. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Dealing with family. Every one of you play many different roles in this culture. If you read verses 1 through 10, you'll find out what Mama says to the king about his part. His part is to be uh, not a drunkard, not waste your strength on loose women, uh, defend the rights of the oppressed, help those who can't speak for themselves, help the poor, help the needy. Carry in God's character. You know, we talk about a Proverbs 31 woman. Though they're not perfect, she still gives us an identification on how we rule in these areas of the seven mountains. You spoke on Deborah earlier. What a woman of God. She dealt with family. She dealt with her spiritual life. She heard from God. and She dealt with government. Thank God she did because they destroyed the Canaanites as a result of her taking her place. What do you need destroyed and what place do you need to be taken? God's backing you up. Amen? He's positioning you. And it's so important we understand that it's not just about here. And I'm going to read something and then I'm going to close. But Charisman, 2015, made these statements. Family in 2015 has declined in abortion clinics, and abortion has actually the numbers have gone down. Why is that? People are taking their place. Huh. They say the reason for this is that there's more people rising up of pro-life saying we don't want this anymore. They say that it's a possibility in the next generation we may turn this thing around. Come on, somebody. They got involved in the culture. <laughs> Divorce rate used to be 48%. It's down to 31%, a little higher in some areas. Check it out. What's happening? People are investing in their culture. One of the passions of mine is is to do uh, marriage counseling because we can change what's going on in our lives. Amen? Our religion is exploding in China. They believe that by the year 2025, there'll be 160 million Christians in China. Come on. Somebody's infecting their culture. In education, homeschool is 7 to 15% higher than it's ever been. And matter of fact, they're, they're coming out with such high degrees that colleges are saying, we want you. We want you. Because the schools aren't teaching what's needed. In government, uh, Planned Parenthood is not being funded now. There's prayer in the White House. The IRS is exposing those who are against Christians. went to build a building one time over in Web City in the And the guy that was over it, I asked him, I said, what do I need to fill out? And he goes, don't go and tell that woman. She'll give you a book about this thick and you'll never get it done because she don't like Christians. I never had to fill the book out. He wrote it all off. Proved it and gave us occupancy for our building. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You got to be in the culture. (laughs) Businesses like Hobby Lobby isn't going to pay for the morning after pill. Matter of fact, they took millions of dollars of hits as a result of that. Um, Chick fil A won't open on Sunday. Come on. The, the, the justice of law and justice is now defending bakers that are saying, I'm not going to make cakes for homosexuals. Come on. There are people that are getting involved in their culture and making a difference. Amen. We know in media, remember the story of the man that had the bad wreck, and all of a sudden a man showed up like a priest. And prayed for him, and there was a miracle that happened because everybody said he was dead, but really he lived. Remember that story on the bridge? You know, ABC put out a three minute broadcast on three minutes on a miracle, and they were all in awe. Come on, you get involved in the culture, and something is going to change. Amen? I mean, that's just absolutely awesome. And arts and entertainment, oh my gosh, how many movies have we seen in the last three years that have been Christ like? Just name a few. Case for Christ, The Shack, War Room, Blindside, God's Not Dead 1, God's Not Dead 2, Woodlawn, Father of Lights, Furious Love. There's many others coming out. Why? Because people are saying, look, it's not just about church, which we need. It's important your part. But it's about fulfilling the call, changing the culture, and bringing this thing to the final place that God wants. And we're all part. How many today would stand and say, I am part of that kingdom? Come on. How many would stand today, I need my praise team up here, would say, I'm part of that kingdom? How many here would recognize that you're a co-laborer? You're the laborer and God backs you up. You need to know this. Don't look at your character. Don't look at your flaws. Don't look at your inadequacies. Look at Him. Because He's more than adequate. No matter where you're at, what job you're in, what culture you may have to invest in, I want you to know you need to carry the characteristics of God so that you can change it by his empowerment. Because he will back you up. Amen. I know I said I was going to close on that last, but I've got to read one scripture. Is this okay? Y'all okay? Has this blessed you today? Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. Put up on the board if you want. 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. But that's so okay. cute. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected us in this hope. That's what Jesus did. Because of creation itself also, we be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. But we were saved for this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with re- perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God love God this morning and to those who are called according to His purpose. You can't say all things work together if you're not doing His purpose. You can't claim promises out of the Bible if you're not about His business. You're not going to see the full victory of healings, miracles, signs and wonders and deliverance for you, your family and your neighborhood and people that you love If you don't put Him first. Matthew 6.33 says put the kingdom of God first. And all these other things shall be added.